will be here with us. I know that you'll be blessed by his ministry next week. And I would look forward to that. So come and come and be a part. Join us next Sunday for that. I'm in Genesis chapter 28, beginning verse number one. It says these words, and Isaac called Jacob. And he blessed him and he directed him, you must not take a wife from the Canaanite women. Rise, go to Padan Aram, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father. And take as your wife from there one of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. God Almighty bless you, make you fruitful, multiply you, that you may become a company of peoples. May he give the blessing of Abraham to you and to your offspring with you that you may take possession of the land of your sojournings that God gave to Abraham. Thus Isaac sent Jacob away. And he went to Padan Aram to Laban, the son of Bethuel the Aramean, the brother of Rebekah, Jacob's, and Esau's mother. Now Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Padan Aram to take a wife from there. That is, he blessed him, he directed him, you must not take a wife from the Canaanite women. And that Jacob had obeyed his father and his mother and gone to Padan Aram. So when Esau saw that the Canaanite women did not please Isaac, his father, Esau went to Ishmael and took as his wife, besides the wives that he had, Mahalath, the daughter of Ishmael, Abram's son, the sister of Nebaioth. Now Jacob left Beersheba and he went toward Haran. He came to a certain place and he stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and he lay down in the place to go to sleep. And he dreamed, behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth and the top of it reached to heaven and behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Behold, the Lord stood above it and he said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Jacob awoke from his sleep and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. And he was afraid and he said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he had put under his head and he set it up for a pillow and poured oil on the top of it. He called the name of that place Bethel. The name of the city was Luz at the first. Jacob made a vow and said, If God will be with me and will keep me in the way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God in this stone which I have set up for a pillar, shall be God's house. Of all that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. And this is the word of the Lord this morning. Most of us, I am sure, 
have an appointment calendar, a schedule, a planner, something on which we keep our appointments. Maybe it's a paper one you keep and you write down your notes, your appointments, your dates, the things you have to do, whatever. Maybe it's a digital one that you keep on your phone or your iPad or whatever it is. Computer, your laptop, you write it down. Keep your appointments. Maybe you're like some of us who don't need that stuff and we've got an appointment calendar that God gave us right up here inside of our head. And we keep our appointments there and everyone knows because we always forget. I'm trying to do better. I really am. I'm starting to realize at my advanced age, I probably should start writing stuff down here. So, But regardless, whatever our appointment calendar is, there are probably things on there that we really, really wish weren't on our calendar. Things such as dental appointments, October 19th at 8 a.m., So we pray really, really hard that it'll just snow 12 feet on October 19th at about 7.30 in the morning. And if it does, please don't call me. Yeah, it probably is my fault, but whatever. (laughs) There are appointments we can't wait to keep. How is it that our children can't, can't get out of bed to go to school every morning, but if you tell them we're going on vacation and we're leaving at 10 o'clock in the morning, they're up at 4.30 ready to go. It's like, go back to bed. We're not leaving until 10, okay? But of course what it is, nobody wants to go to school. We all want to go see Mickey Mouse. Some appointments we plan, we we scheme for, we hope, we, we hope to keep and we try our best to, to make and, and keep. Sometimes appointments are, are made for us. We get that letter in the mail that says, you will be at the Northampton County Courthouse Monday at 8 a.m. And if you don't show up, we will arrest you. I don't know if they arrest you for jury duty, but it's always best to go, okay? Or at least call and find out if you have to go. Some appointments we make, some we want to keep, some are made for us. Of course, there are some that we have no idea. We have no idea that they are there, and yet when we look back, we realize this was no ordinary appointment. This was no jury duty. This was no dental appointment. This was a divine appointment, a time when we meet with God and our life is transformed. In this chapter, we see Jacob here this morning has such appointments. Jacob has a divine appointment with God. He did not intend to have a divine appointment. He did not walk away and say, on this night, I am going to meet with God and he is going to show up in my dreams. No, Jacob had no clue that it was going to happen. Yet at a moment, he needed his most. At his weakest, the most vulnerable place, God meets with Jacob. And God touches his life and does a transforming work in his heart and in his soul. 
and you're here today, maybe you had no intention of coming. Maybe you just wandered in off the street. Maybe, maybe you had it on your calendar. You, you write it down and you know, Sunday morning I'm going to be in church. This is good. I'm glad you made that appointment. Whatever the reason you're here today, let me tell you, this is not just another thing to mark off of your calendar. This is a time, this is a place where God wants to meet you even here today, October 2nd, 2022, and God wants to do a work in your life. This is an appointment you can't afford to miss. And so we begin today, and let's first of all, let's remind ourselves of the circumstances that led to Jacob's meeting with God. Let's remind ourselves of the circumstances that led to Jacob's meeting with God. We, We spoke about this last week, but just to remind you, Jacob is on a journey in less than desirable circumstances. Okay, we like to plan. We like to look forward to vacations, to appointments. We, we make these trips and we, we find ourselves on things that we want to do. And, and yet there are other times when, when we find ourselves on journeys that we don't necessarily want to make, but we know we have to make them. And this is what is going on with Jacob. If you remember from last week, he's under a death threat from his brother Esau. Esau wants to kill him. And it's understandable why, because Esau is angry with Jacob because Jacob has taken Esau's birthright. And so we read last week in chapter 27, verse 41, Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are approaching, and then I will kill my brother Jacob. The words of Esau, her her older son, were told to Rebekah, so she sinned, called Jacob, her younger son, and said, Behold, your brother Esau comforts himself about you by planning to kill you. Okay, Esau has it in his heart. Rebekah realizes this is more than just the anger that is there between brothers that, that lasts all of five seconds and is gone. No, there is something in his heart, a deep abiding hatred for Jacob. So Rebekah calls Jacob and says, hey, your brother is waiting for your dad to die. And as soon as he dies, he is going to kill you. And this is what you need to do. All right, run to my family, run to Laban, my brother, run to his family and go and stay with them until Esau's anger is abated, until he cools off. And of course, when you you do that, right, you can't just necessarily run one of your kids off without your husband, without their father knowing about it. You know, it's, it's just kind of hard to, to make one of the kids disappear and, and him come home from work and be like, hey, something's weird, I don't know what it is here. So Rebecca has to, has to have a plan in place. Verse 46 of 27, Rebecca says to Isaac, I loathe my life because of these Hittite women. If, if Jacob marries one of the Hittite women like these, one of the women of the land, what good will my life be to me? 
A legitimate argument, okay? This is a, a legitimate reason Esau had married two women, we're told, and, and these two women, and in Genesis 26, verse 35, we are told that they made life bitter for Isaac and Rebecca. These two women with their idolatrous worship or their bad attitudes or whatever the case might be. Their pagan lifestyles were there and they were with Isaac and Rebekah and with Jacob. They were there as one big family and yet it was not one big happy family. Tension that existed between Isaac and Rebekah and these two daughters-in-law was there, strong and palpable. Rebecca goes in Isaac and says, there is no way that I am going to let Jacob marry a woman like these two. Here is what he needs to do. Needs to go to my brother's house and find a wife from his family. So what does Isaac do in chapter 28, verse 1? Isaac called Jacob and he blessed him and he directed him, you must not take a wife from the Canaanite women. Arise, go to Padan Aram to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and take as your wife from there one of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. Again, Rebecca realizes she just can't make Jacob disappear. Tells Isaac that Jacob needs to go and marry from her family. And again, this is a legitimate reason legitimate concern, and yet you can see the maneuvering behind the scenes in order to protect Jacob and look after this son who has the sentence of death hanging over him. And before we go any further again, we should probably think about the actions of Esau. Verse 6 tells us here that Esau sees the blessing that Isaac has bestowed on Jacob. He knows about the anger that his wives are causing his parents. He hears the instructions that, that Isaac gives to Jacob and how Jacob is instructed to go and marry himself a good girl, not like these women that Esau is married to. So what does Esau do? Esau... Goes in verse 9, and he went to Ishmael and he took as his wife. Besides the wives that he had, Mahalath, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Nebaioth. Abraham, or Esau, I should say, instead of, instead of realizing the mistake that he made. And marrying these women, instead of trying to work and reconcile this relationship between his mother and father and his two wives, what does Esau do? He hears these instructions. He says, you know what? Fine. I'll go find another woman to marry. Not just any woman. I'll find a woman from the family of Ishmael. One who is cast out by Abraham and Sarah. One who is wandering as a stranger, a sojourner. Instead of finding in himself a repentant and a contrite heart, Esau. Esau is seen to double down on his reckless actions. And I, and I want to repeat what I said last week. That is that you... And you alone are singularly responsible 
for your actions, for your attitudes, for your disposition that you take in life. You and you alone are responsible and you and you alone will answer to God for how you live and conduct your life. And I admit what I said, some of you have been terrible situations. You've been abused, you've been mistreated, perhaps you've had thousands of dollars stolen from me, from you. And yet that does not alleviate or excuse and you will not stand before God and say, yeah, look at what happened to me and God will say, yeah, I know, don't worry about it. It's okay. No, you and you alone are responsible for your actions. You are responsible not to get into bitterness and anger and hatred and, and feelings of jealousy and anger and whatever else that may creep into your life as a result of another's actions against you. That does not mean that you allow yourself to be run over. Sometimes action has to be taken. A guilty person has to be accountable for their actions, and yet in the entirety of the situation you must must guard your heart guard your life and guard your spirit and Esau knowing what is going on with his wives and knowing what is going on with his mother and father and their attitude toward him has a chance to make things right and instead of doing so he says fine I'll go get me another wife No doubt compounding, frustrating the situation even more. Esau fails miserably. He sees Isaac and Rebekah charging Jacob. Goes and he marries someone else. Nevertheless, though the circumstances in which Jacob finds himself on this journey is a less than pleasant one. So this leads us to our second point this morning, which is this, Jacob's. Jacob's meeting, meeting with God, finds himself in a desperate, difficult situation. He's on his way to his uncle's house. A knuckle he doesn't know. He's about to stay there for who knows how long until his brother's anger settles down. And so we're told that Jacob travels until Dark, he travels until nighttime. After all, he does not have his Coleman flashlight. He does not have his headlamps. Whatever else that we have. And so he finds himself in a place at nighttime and he lays down asleep. Verse 11, he comes to a certain place. He stayed there that night because the sun had set and he took one of the stones of the place. He put it under his head. And he lay down in that place to sleep. Now, in looking at this and studying out this passage, I realized, I guess, maybe for the first time, that there's some debate over whether or not Jacob actually used the stone as a pillow or whether or not he took the stone and kind of set it up and put his head under the stone so that it would protect him from the weather. But regardless, the point of this story is this. It's, it's not a big issue. The point of the story is this. A man who was living in a very wealthy home 
A man whose father had been blessed greatly after he had inherited a lot of riches from his father, Abraham, Jacob's grandfather, finds himself sleeping with nothing more than a rock as a pillow or a rock as a shelter to cover his head. He has gone from living in a house of plenty to living in a situation where he has very little. Verse 12, though Jacob goes to sleep, fluffing that pillow, they call it a rock. I don't know how you do that, but whatever. He dreams and behold, there's a ladder set up on the earth. The top of it reaches the heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending, descending on it. And behold, the, the Lord stood above it. They said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie. I will give to you and your offspring. He dreams, and as he dreams, a vision Vision, the ladder is set up, reaching from earth to heaven. Angels descending and ascending on the ladder. And at the top of this ladder, the Lord Himself reaching down to Jacob and telling him that He will be His God. You remember way back in chapter 11 of Genesis what happens? In Genesis chapter 11, we read the story of the Tower of Babel. And what happens in the Tower of Babel? The people of the land decide they are going to build a way to heaven. We are going to build a structure. We're going to build a ladder that we are going to reach heaven. And guess what? We will be God. The end result of that tower, the end result of that Experiment, the end result of that building is frustration. As one man is calling to another and saying, give me, give me a hammer. And the other man is like, what are you speaking Spanish to me? It's like, yeah, actually I am and I don't realize it. God changes their language. He confounds it. He frustrates them. Why? Because they have decided that they are going to reach heaven on their own. And yet this situation is different. Jacob has no intention. He has no intention of reaching God. He has no intention of reaching the Lord. He has no intention to go where God is. And yet God appears to him. Verse 13, the Lord stood above it and he said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring will be like the dust of the earth. You will spread abroad to the west and the east and the north and the south. And in you and your offspring will all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and I will keep you wherever you go and I will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. God appears to Jacob and he says, I am the Lord, 
I will be with you. I will bless you. I will give you the land that you are on. These are the same promises made to Abram. Chapter 12 of Genesis made to Isaac. Chapter 25 and chapter 26 of Genesis. And now to Jacob, the same God who is with his grandfather and his father is now the same God who is with him. Again, you have to notice Jacob did not intend to meet God. Jacob had no idea. Jacob was a man who was lost, who was afraid, who did not know where to turn or where to go. Jacob was a man who had seemed like he had lost everything. And yet in the midst of it all, God finds Jacob. And God appears to him. And God reassures and reminds him that I am your God. And I will be with you. Alan Ross states it this way. He says, Jacob's vision at Bethel is a demonstration of pure grace. God appeared to assure him of his promise of protection and provision in spite of the way that Jacob had secured the blessing. Jacob was a man who did not deserve it. He had cheated his brother. He had defrauded and deceived his brother. He had done something so bad that his brother is filled with bitterness and anger towards him. He is a man with nothing to bring. All that he has is a pillow that he's made out of a rock. Yet God shows up to him. He says, I am your God and I will be with you. Verse 16, Jacob awoke from his sleep and he said, surely the Lord is in this place. I did not know it. He was afraid and he said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And you're here today, this morning. You feel like you have messed up so much in your life. You feel like everyone has turned their back onto you. You feel like that you don't have nowhere to go and nowhere to run and you're not sure of what you want to do. You feel like everyone has abandoned you. And I tell you this morning that God has a divine appointment waiting for you. Right here where you are today, this morning, not in the desert with a rock, but maybe in a small town, in a brick building, God has an appointment. He wants to remind you and reassure you that He is your God and He will be with you, and He wants to give you His grace today. Jacob is facing a litany of disasters. He has him fleeing and run away, but he finds himself meeting with Almighty God, and as a result of this meeting, we'll see our final point here this morning. 
Jacob commits himself. Jacob makes a commitment to God. Jacob commits himself to God. Verse 16, Jacob awakes in the middle of the night. He knows. He knows he is in the presence of God, that he is in the house of God. And look at what happens in verse 18. Early in the morning, Jacob takes the stone that he had put under his head, set it up for a pillow, and he poured oil on the top of it. He called the name of that place Bethel. Bethel meaning house of God. The name of that city was called Luz. Look at what he does in verse 20 and 21. Jacob makes a vow and he says, If God will be with me and God will keep me in the way that I go and he will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I can come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God and this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house. Of all that you give me, I, I will give a full tenth to you. God will go with me. If God will provide for me, if God will watch over me, He will be my God and I will serve Him. The meeting, the result of a meeting with God should result in a dedication, a commitment, a resolution to commit ourselves to Him surrender to Him and devote our lives completely and fully to Him. We don't do that so that we might gain His favor and think, if I just commit myself, then surely God will meet me. But we do it because we realize that when we had nothing, God met with us. God has given His grace to us. And let's be honest this morning. Most of us read this story and we think, wouldn't that be awesome if God would show up to me in such and such a manner? Wouldn't it be great if, if God would just give me a dream and He would show me what is going to happen? It probably would be. Although I'd say be careful what you wish for because every time someone meets with God in the Bible, they're pretty scared and terrified. So I kind of wonder about those who say they meet with God and they hear from God all the time and yet their lives show something different. They're probably, probably not meeting from God and you probably shouldn't listen to them. Jacob is filled with fear and awe. But God, by and large, has not chosen. He doesn't choose to meet with us in such a way anymore. Jacob has been visited by God. His life is transformed. And yet... In John chapter 1, we are told of something else that happens. Philip is called by God and Philip finds his brother Nathaniel. He says, I have found the Messiah, Jesus, come and meet him. Nathaniel goes to him and he says, how can you say that Jesus is a Messiah. He's a, he's a common guy from Nazareth. There's nothing good that can come out of Nazareth. Jesus sees Nathanael and he says, There is an Israelite whom there is no guile and no deceit. There is a good and honest and upright man. 
Jesus says these words in Nathaniel in John chapter 1, verse 51. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven open and angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. In other words, Jesus uses the imagery of Jacob's ladder to let Nathaniel know that in him, in Christ, God has opened up access and a stairway to heaven once again. In Christ, God has opened up a way where God will meet with us. And this is why God does not show up in dreams like this anymore. It's because we have access to him through the Lord Jesus Christ and his death on the cross, we can now come before God and he has given us his promise that I will never leave you or forsake you. I will be with you to the ends of the earth. And so while a dream and a vision might be great, you don't need it. You have Christ. You have his word. You have his spirit living inside of you. God is now dwelling within you through the power of his Holy Spirit. And you can meet with him. And you can have access to his grace and his mercy anytime you want it. Anytime. So you're here today and you're filled with regret over sin in your life. Father's arms are open wide and he says to you, I am with you. I will forgive you. You're here and you feel like your family has turned their back on you. They've left you alone and and even your spouse or your mother, your father, your child has, has turned away from you and God is telling you today, I am with you. You're here and you feel like You have nothing, nothing, and you'd love to have a stone to put under your head as a pillow. God is saying, I, I am with you. I'm with you. We've all seen the devastation in Florida. Know that those who are going back to places, lots where their homes used to be would know and realize this truth that the God who was with Jacob is with them on this very day when there is nothing. That same God is here to meet with you today. Again. Wouldn't it be great if some kind of Shekinah glory cloud came and filled this place and gold dust began to fall from heaven and all this other stuff? We don't need that. We have His presence and His Spirit in our lives. Today is your day of a divine appointment with God. God is telling you through his word and through his spirit that I will never leave you or forsake you. I will be with you even to the end of the world. And I remind you the words of the writer of Hebrews. He says, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in rebellion. 
day of testing in the wilderness. God's grace is here to meet you today. Your sin, your brokenness, your wickedness, and your trials, God's grace is here for you. How do I know that? I know that because this this is the first Sunday of the month. On the first Sundays, we participate in communion. We celebrate the table of the Lord. Take the bread and the wine, more accurately, the cracker and the grape juice. Jesus tells us this is a reminder of his body and his blood, which was broken and shed for us. And so here in just a few moments, our ushers are going to come and they're going to give you a little cup. If you're here and you're a believer, you know, if you're not a member of the church or you're just visiting or it's your first time here or whatever, we invite you to participate with us if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. But he's going to give you one of those. And it's going to be a reminder his body, his blood was shed for us. It's broken for us. His spirit is living inside of us. And you don't have to worry about what's going to happen. He is with you. If you're here today, I encourage you to take it. I encourage you to remember in that trial that you're facing right now that God is with you and His grace is there for you. I encourage you to remember with the guilt of that sin piling up in your life that God is with you and His grace is extended to you. I encourage you to remember you and that loneliness that you're feeling, God is with you. And He will be your God. And He will watch over your life. God appoints, makes this appointment with Jacob. Jacob's life is changed. And here he is, October 2nd, 2022, calling you by name and saying, Come to me. Come and partake and see my goodness and taste of my glory. I challenge you to do that today. I mean, ushers, why don't you come? Worship team, why don't you come? And let's get ready to receive from the table of the Lord today. And there are others in Christianity of you communion in a different way but we use it as a reminder a memorial remembrance a remembrance of what God has done for us today as you partake remember the same God who was with Abraham with Isaac and now with Jacob going to be with you. His body and blood was shed for you.
Father, help us to remember that, we pray.